welcome to Catalyst Podcast, your new favorite spiritual podcast that really centers decolonizing and understanding our socializations while building authentic, inclusive community. Basically, it's a catalyst within your spiritual journey. So let's dive right in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Catalyst Podcast and welcome into the new year 2023. Y'all, it's so interesting because like obviously it's a new year, um, but I really feel like still this isn't the fresh new start. Um and it's because like a couple of reasons. One, like intuitively, I just feel like this is a time to still rest, even though it's like the new year and people are saying make new intentions, make new manifestations, make new goals, do your vision board. I I'm not there yet. I'm still resting and in retreat mode. Um so, but I still acknowledge that, you know, in the society that we live in, it is a new year. And I'm excited for it to be a new year. I'm excited for like a new shift to come, even though it's like, it might not be an energetic shift. Like, yeah. So welcome into the new year. Still allow yourself to rest. Still yourself allow yourself to retreat in solitude, in bliss, in, in just being in peace and centering peace. And don't feel like you have to rush into creating all the new intentions, manifestations, everything. I will, though, be doing a cinnamon abundance ritual. So um, if you don't know what that is, it's just when you put cinnamon in your hand. Some people put salt. Some folks put other things. Honestly, Google it and maybe even Google like your ancestral connection to see what ritual best fits you and what best resonates. Um, but you put the basic center of it all is that you put cinnamon in your palm, the palm of your hand. Um, you go outside the door, the entrance to your home, you open it and you blow the cinnamon in, and then it's supposed to yield in abundance the first day of the month. Um, so anyone can participate in, and if you if you're staying in someone's place, if you don't have your own place, if you're staying in a, like a non-traditional home or a shelter, you could still do it. It's more about this, the intention. And I believe in trying things, even under the oppressive systems that we have to navigate for our own like self-reassurance because it is tough out there y'all I feel it I know but I'm hoping a abundance of love prosperity and support and community for each one of you listening and those even not listening I'm really hoping and wishing that for you all well, we dived into something that I'd not expect, but let's get into our topic, um, imposter syndrome. I've talked about imposter syndrome on this podcast before, but I am going to shift into deepening our understanding of imposter syndrome and like where it originates from, where it comes from, because that can help so much in terms of like how to heal it and navigate the imposter syndrome that we might experience due to the different positionalities the different agencies and targets that we play in society 
the way that things occur are going to affect us differently. And sometimes if you're listening to advice from someone who has no understanding of your lived experience, does not understand or even try to understand the roadblocks and the systemic um, structures in place that can really affect how you show up in a space, it can feel not only not helpful at all, but it can also feel very dismissive. And I think sometimes coaches, especially coaches that center whiteness in their coaching and their content and their marketing, don't realize that the topics that they're talking about are at a surface level. And if they just deepen the connection a little bit, they just acknowledge a more diverse spectrum of folks who experience the things that we put names to it will deepen the connection that they feel with the community and it also attract more aligned people to wanting to work with them be in community with them collaborate with them etc and this is only beneficial for coaches I am talking about coaches because I find myself working more and more with brands and coaches in my own business but this is really for anyone if you want to strengthen your community, your relationships with friends, family members, people that you just meet one time, the more intersectional you are, it breeds empathy. And the more empathetic you are, the more ability that we have to have these deepen human connections. As we combat individualism, which is a pillar of white supremacy, the way to combat that is through empathy and community. So really this could apply to anyone, but if I'm losing coach language, it's because that's who I'm really considering and thinking about as I enter this year with new coaches I'm working with, new brands that I'm working with, and that I'm so excited and so thankful. So, but always, as I preach intersectionality, what I'm talking about with imposter syndrome is not only for coaches, I'm thinking of all of you, um, but even... It, it, for any job that you have, the more intersectional you are, the beauty of it, just like the more the empathy, the more relationship building that it deepens. Okay, so imposter syndrome. What is it? Let's get into it. And then let's dive into the deepening part. So imposter syndrome is also known as imposter phenomenon. And it's a psychological occurrence where an individual doubts their skill and their accomplishment and has an internalized fear of being exposed as fraudulent or as imposter in a space. A lot of us can resonate with that um, and have had an experience feeling like they're an imposter. I think not only with imposter syndrome, but with any term that you're using your coaching and your messaging, Google it, look into it. These these terms come from somewhere, right? Like when I first heard the term intersectional, I Google it to figure out where it came from for a couple reasons. Um, especially in the spiritual space, I like to do this because a, a lot of times there's spiritual language or concepts that have came from cis white men who are anti-Semitic, anti-Black, and anti-Indigenous. Pause. Think about it. Think about it. And so that really, uh, it really influences me on how I'm going to take the information and the concept because the way that people present their information a lot of their identity affects the perspective that they are sharing. So if you're sharing 
a concept of something that sounds very anti-Black or harmful to me and my experiences. And then I'm Googling the concept. And then in fact, the person who originated the concept is very much anti-Black. Yeah, it's going to help protect me. Um, so just in general, Google terms, if you do a quick Google search on imposter syndrome, because we talk about it so much, it's hard to get to the, the who created it. But if you just search a little bit more, you'll find it. And so imposter syndrome first um, was seen um, as imposter phenomenon in high achieving women by Pauline Rose, Clance, and Suzanne Imes, which they did it in the 19, I think 1978. They did a study about it, and um, they're actually from Georgia, which I'm from Georgia as well. They did it at Georgia State University. So I actually like read through their our, um, research because, again, it's really important to know where these things come from. By the way, the women who wrote it um, identify, well, I'm assuming they're cisgender women, but like not assuming, but I don't know if they would say I'm a cisgender woman, but they're cisgender women if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Some people just don't like to use this, but they're cisgender women and um, they're white women. The first thing that I noticed with this article that I think was, okay, overall the article and research makes sense. It is valuable understanding. Um, it really did bring nuance. I think at the time to, especially for white women in these high performing positions, in patriarchal business and professional settings. There was really great insight in it. But um, yeah, one thing that I noticed with this research paper is that they did not do the positionality statement. If you don't know where positionality usually comes from, it is from research so that um, the folks who are writing the research and conducting the research they are also acknowledging their positionality society that will undutably affect their perspective and how they make connections. They did not do that. And I think that was a totally a missed opportunity. But again, this was written in the late 70s. So, you know. So basically, and it's really easy to find this on the internet if you are curious. If I remember, I'll try to put in the show notes. But um one thing that I think is really important, so imposter syndrome comes from this article, right? I'm sure there's been so many times in research. No, I'm not even sure. I know that and there's been a lot of research and a lot of other people's different types when it comes to imposter syndrome. However, this is the starting point. And so in their original research, and, and this also this article is what defined imposter syndrome for folks. So in this original research, they focused on women. And in this case, I am assuming cis women, because I think they would have mentioned if it was anyone else other than a cis woman. And other things I mentioned that their sample when navigating and understanding imposter syndrome was 95 undergraduate women and 10 PhD faculty women at a small academically acclaimed private Miss Western co-education college, as well as 15 undergrads, 20 graduate students, and 10 faculty members at a large Southern urban university and six medical students from Northern and Southern universities, 22 professional 
women in fields of law, anthropology, nursing, counseling, and religions, education, social work, occupational therapy, and teaching. They were primarily white women, middle class to upper class, between the ages of 20 and 45. This is really important because as they construct their analysis and as they construct the term impossible phenomenon, which has become impossible syndrome, they were really just studying white women ages 20 to 45 at universities or professional settings, middle to upper class. And I think this is really important because, again, it detects the positionality that we're within, right? Like, if you are middle to upper class, your experience is going to be different than someone who is in a lower class or considered lower class. And your privilege is going to be different and how that shows up, how that affects you to show up in certain spaces is going to affect that. So I think it's really important to let that sink in because if you're talking about imposter syndrome and you're centering white women and you're centering this and you have been doing so unconsciously where you don't even realize that is going to alienate a lot of folks who don't fit that, if you think about it, don't fit that small demographic of folks. Now, people can intersect with it, right? Like I grew up um, financially privileged I grew up um, middle class, so I'm going to resonate with some aspects of this, but I did not grow up as a white woman in the Midwest, so that's going to be an experience that I won't really be able to intersect with. I can maybe perhaps have empathy with that, but also my positionality in life has has socialized me and has... Um, kind of program me to be more sympathetic for white folks and white women versus someone who might be a white woman won't be as sympathetic to a black woman right because their socialization is just different so I think that's really important to understand because you have you are a coach or you're someone who's creating content around um, imposter syndrome and you are not considering where the term comes from and like who it really who it studied in order to create the holistic understanding that we have of it today, then the advice that you're giving, the content that you're making, the experiences that you're sharing are centering those folks. And sometimes we don't realize this. So we're talking about imposter syndrome and we're saying, if you want to fight imposter syndrome, a solution is to do affirmations without acknowledging one, well, also maybe they have a possum syndrome because the space that they're entering literally has not created any fluidity when it comes to, for example, Black women in the teaching field. Oh, that's me. So like, I feel a lot of imposter syndrome in my field, right? And as a teacher, and it's not going to necessarily be the same way a white woman in teaching feels imposter syndrome, their dynamic might center the patriarchy, right? Like if their admin and the district members are mostly men and they are patronizing or they are sexist, a white woman in teaching might feel that and feel that imposter syndrome. And the way that they navigate that and the advice that may be given to them is going to be different than, say, me, who not only intersects with the patriarchy, and we'll have that, 
but also maybe I'm being affected um, because also 70% of teachers are white women. And as a black woman, even like realistically right now in my reality, I'm the only black teacher at my school. Oh, hell yeah, I feel imposter syndrome. And there's microaggressions all the time that people don't even realize they're participating in. So not only am I feeling imposter syndrome from the patriarchy, which white women at my school could possibly um, also resonate with, but I'm also feeling imposter syndrome as being the only black teacher, not even black woman teacher, black teacher at my school. White women won't be able to resonate with that. I'm also feeling imposter syndrome of navigating certain microaggressions from when it comes to my hair, from when it comes to just small comments, to the mispronouncing, what am I trying to say? I can't say it. But from that, even that just one that example, sometimes I'm trying to get out the socialization of having multiple examples to prove my point. Well, just having one is sufficient enough because I am worthy and I am valid in my feelings. So not only will I have to navigate the patriarchy, which white women can intersect with, but I also have to navigate anti-blackness that arises in the space, microaggressions that arise in the space. Like, so someone might give advice where they're only directly acknowledging the patriarchy part, but they're not acknowledging all the other things. And that can be really harmful. And it can really dismiss the holistic experience that a lot of folks who aren't centered in these things experience. And if you as a coach, right, it can deepen your practice of coaching, of consulting, of guiding. If you're more intersectional and you are considering the whole person that appears in front of you when you're coaching someone and you have a client, if you're only centering the parts that are visible to, in your perspective of like, you have imposter syndrome because of this, this, and this, and you're not, you're not really acknowledging their own lived experience and how that shows up, it can be really damaging and it's a missed opportunity for you to create a more inclusive environment for folks that enter your community. That was a lot. So, you know, there's so many directions I can go and continue with this, but that's really something I just wanted to highlight. And that's something that I do work with folks in my coaching containers with and in my cons my consulting like who want to learn how to be more intersectional, especially with even these type of topics, like it could really deepen your understanding so much. And so I have a couple tips for you. You could take it or leave it. Number one, I mentioned it before, research the topics that you're talking about. You want to talk about imposter syndrome? Where did it come from? It doesn't mean you have to be a complete expert on it, right? It doesn't mean that you have to remember the names of those who published the article. But understanding that it was a study in the late 70s that centered white women who were in professional settings and can make and were middle to upper class can make a huge difference because if you have someone who doesn't intersect with any of that and they're showing up to you and they're saying I have imposter syndrome it is an amazing 
ability to take that and then realize, okay, maybe I have the background of understanding this from this perspective, but if I also dive into understanding you feel opossum syndrome because there is systemic structures in your workplace where they haven't acknowledged that they need to shift the culture because now there are people of color entering the space and they're used to just um, listening to white voices. So they have to make a conscious decision to um, fight their socialization of only listening and centering white voices to acknowledge other voices. That's going to make a huge difference. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a coaching where I'm coaching my coach and they're telling me, you need to do this more. And they're literally just thinking about the white experience, not understanding how I show up in spaces as a Black woman, that I can't hide that I'm a Black woman. It will make such a difference. So number one, research, research, research. Let's look it up. A quick Google search. And Google is free. It's amazing. It's free. Number two, think about your client and accept them holistically. Again, we are multifaceted, intersexual beings, right? We have so many similarities to other folks that people don't realize, and we have differences, and both are beautiful. Like, you need both to balance your interactions out. And if you don't understand your client holistically, like truly holistically, right? You're not stereotyping them or you're not putting your own conceptions or assumptions onto them. Listen to them, ask them about their experiences and take that to aid you in supporting them. There are some folks, there are some black women who maybe they've never felt imposter syndrome they're like, there's some black teachers, maybe they've never felt imposter syndrome at their school. They'd be like, oh, I haven't had that experience. I don't experience microaggressions, right? It's so different for individuals. Understand the person who's coming to you for support and get the time to truly understand their multifaceted, I don't know if that's a word, but how multifaceted they are actually see people for who they are and not the assumptions that we put on them and number three my biggest tip I could give anyone anytime is don't give up this is nuanced work it's hard work it sometimes can feel overwhelming and that's why I'm here I want to break down as an anxiety girly as an anxiety girly with ADHD I hate feeling overwhelmed. I hate feeling like I am stifled because there's so many things that are happening around me. And yet I want to do this work. I want to learn how to be anti-oppressive. I want to be more inclusive. I want to create dream communities. It takes time. And you don't have to be perfect while doing it. You don't. I bring up these ideas to spark something, to bring a catalyst to something, to encourage you to navigate it on your own terms while feeling like you can ask for help and not be turned away or ridiculed. And 
a lot of our socialization has to do with not wanting to try things if they're not perfect out of fear of being ridiculed. And a lot of people will say it's from our education system. It is. A lot of people will say it's from our parents. It is. But there's a lot of people, parents, teachers, in the spaces that we used to opticate as children who are trying to change that for the future generations. Everyone's doing their part. I know realistically not everyone, but if we think ahead of everyone's doing their part, so the people that I intersect with, I know are doing their part. I am surrounding myself with people who care and want to put in the work but also are willing to give themselves grace. And that's a reflection of myself. So give yourself grace as you're doing this work. If you need help, let me know. Even if it's just a quick question, send me a DM. I will not say, you need a Venmo me, okay? <laughs> and if you actually want to do this deep and in inner work and you want to be accountable for it, invest in my consulting. Just a, just a thought. Okay. This was this quick spiel on imposter syndrome. I have so much more I could say, and I have so much more that I go into depth with, with my clients, but I'm just going to leave you at this. You are the one, you are the best guide for yourself. So I appreciate you being in this space. I appreciate you listening, but also know that everything happens in due timing. So don't beat yourself up. If you feel like you're not where you're supposed to be yet, you're going to get there. Okay. Love you so much. Bye.